Good evening, folks. Welcome to our Tenebre service. Before we begin, I um, just want to take one minute to think about folks in Ukraine and lift them up before the Lord. So let's stand for a minute silence. Please be seated. The Tenebre service, oh yes, please come and light the candles. It comes from the Catholic tradition. It is a, a tradition of, of readings and images. There'll be seven readings and seven candles uh, apart from the Christ candle, which is there in the middle. After each reading, a candle will be extinguished to symbolize the light going out of the world. All readings tonight are from the message translation. And we'll take a, a moment before each reading and after each reading of quiet reflection. At the end, when our seven candles have been extinguished, there will be 33 hammer blows, one hammer blow for each year of Jesus's life. At the end of our service, after the reading of the servant song from Isaiah 53, we will leave in silent contemplation. There'll be no benediction this evening. But we return here to church on Easter morning to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And before we come back to church, there'll be um, services on the knock at 7 um, a.m. If you meet at St. Mary's Hall, walk up the knock together. There'll be another service in the graveyard at 7.30. Uh, both those services will be followed by um, breakfast rolls in St. Mary's Hall, and everyone is welcome to come to those. 9.45 in Blackmount for an Easter celebration, 11.15 here. Let us prepare our hearts to worship God. There'll be responsive prayers. The Lord be with you. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. 
And this is the judgment, that the light has come into this world. And we loved darkness rather than light. Is light, in whom there is no darkness at all. For God sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Everyone that does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, but all who do what is true come to the light. Come, let us worship in spirit and in truth. Most gracious God, look with mercy upon your family gathered here, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, given into sinful hands, and suffered death on the cross. Strengthen our faith and forgive our betrayals as we enter the way of his suffering. Through him who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. The Shadow of Agony, Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46. Then Jesus went with them to a garden called Gethsemane and told his disciples, Stay here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he plunged into an agonizing sorrow. Then he said, This sorrow is crushing my life out. Stay here and keep vigil with me. Going a little ahead, he fell on his face, praying, My father, if there is any way, get me out of this. But please, not what I want. You, what do you want? When he came back to his disciples, he found them sound asleep. He said to Peter, can't you stick it out with me a single hour? Stay alert, be in prayer so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There is a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God. But there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. He then left them a second time. Again, he prayed, My father, if there is no other way than this, drinking this cup to the dregs, I'm ready. Do it your way. When he came back, he again found them sound asleep. They simply couldn't keep their eyes open. This time, he let them sleep on and went back a third time to pray, going over the same ground one last time. 
when he came back the next time, he said, are you going to sleep on and make a night of it? My time is up. The Son of Man is about to be handed over to the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's get going. My betrayer is here. The Shadow of Betrayal, Matthew chapter 26, verses 47 to 56. The words were barely out of his mouth when Judas, the one from the Twelve, showed up, and with him a gang from the high priests and religious leaders brandishing swords and clubs. The betrayer had worked out a sign with them. The one I kiss, that's the one, seize him. He went straight to Jesus, greeted him. How are you, Rabbi? And kissed him. Jesus said, friend, why this charade? Then they came on him, grabbed him and roughed him up. One of those with Jesus pulled his sword and, taking a swing at the chief priest's servant, cut off his ear. Jesus said, put your sword back where it belongs. All those who use the sword are destroyed by swords. Don't you realize that I am able right now to call to my father and 12 companies more if I want them of fighting angels would be here battle ready. But if I did that, how would the scriptures come true that say, this is the way it has to be? Then Jesus addressed the mob. What is this? Coming out after me with swords and clubs as if I were a dangerous criminal? Day after day, I have been sitting in the temple teaching, and you never so much as lifted a hand against me. You've done it this way to confirm and fulfill the prophetic writings. Then all the disciples cut and ran. The Shadow of Accusation Matthew 26, verses 57 to 68. The gang that had seized Jesus led him before Caiaphas, the chief priest, where the religion scholars and leaders had assembled. Peter followed at a safe distance until they got to the chief priest's courtyard. Then he slipped in and mingled with the servants, watching to see how things would turn out. The high priests, conspiring with the Jewish council, tried to cook up charges against Jesus in order to sentence him to death. But even though many stepped up, 
making up one false accusation after another, nothing was believable. Finally, two men came forward with this. He said, I can tear down this temple of God and after three days rebuild it. The chief priest stood up and said, what do you have to say to the accusation? And Jesus kept silent. Then the chief priest said, I command you by the authority of the living God to say if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus was curt. You yourself said it, and that's not all. Soon you will see it for yourself. The Son of Man, seated at the right hand of the Mighty One, arriving on the clouds of heaven. At that, the chief priest lost his temper, ripping his robes, yelling, he blasphemed. Why do we need witnesses to accuse him? You all hurt him, blaspheme. Are you going to stand for such blasphemy? They all said, death. That seals his death sentence. Then they were spitting in his face and banging him around. They jeered as they slapped him. Prophesy, Messiah, who hit you that time? The Shadow of Desertion, Matthew chapter 26, verses 69 to 75. All this time, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. One servant girl came up to him and said, You were with Jesus the Galilean. In front of everybody there, he denied it. I don't know what you're talking about. As he moved over toward the gate, someone else said to the people there, This man was with Jesus the Nazarene. Again, he denied it, salting his denial with an oath. I swear, I never laid eyes on the man. Shortly after that, some bystanders approached Peter. You've got to be one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he got really nervous and swore, I don't know the man. Just then, a rooster crowed. Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. He went out and cried and cried and cried.
the shadow of injustice. Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 and 2, and 11 to 26. In the first light of dawn, all the high priests and religious teachers met and put the finishing touches on their plot to kill Jesus. Then they tied him up and paraded him to Pilate, the governor. Jesus was placed before the governor, who questioned him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, If you say so. But when the accusations rained down hot and heavy from the high priests and religious leaders, he said nothing. Pilate asked him, Do you hear that long list of accusations? Aren't you going to say something? Jesus kept silence, not a word from his mouth. The governor was impressed, really impressed. It was an old custom during the feast for the governor to pardon a single prisoner named by the crowd. At the time, they had the infamous Jesus Barabbas in prison. With the crowd before him, Pilate said, which prisoner do you want me to pardon? Jesus Barabbas? or Jesus, the so-called Christ. He knew that it was through sheer spite that they had turned Jesus over to him. While court was in session, Pilate's wife sent him a message. Don't get mixed up in judging this noble man. I've just been through a long and troubled night because of a dream about him. Meanwhile, the high priests and the religious leaders had talked the crowd into asking for the pardon of Barabbas and the execution of Jesus. The governor asked, Which of the two do you want me to pardon? They said, Barabbas. Then what do I do with Jesus, the so-called Christ? They all shouted, Nail him to a cross. He objected, But for what crime? But they yelled all the louder, nail him to a cross. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere and that a riot was imminent, he took a basin of water and washed his hands in full sight of the crowd, saying, I'm washing my hands of responsibility for this man's death. From now on, it's in your hands. You are judge and jury. The crowd answered, We'll take the blame, we and our children after us. Then he pardoned Barabbas, but he had Jesus whipped and then handed over for crucifixion. The Shadow of Mockery, Matthew 27, verses 27 to 44. 
The soldiers assigned to the governor took Jesus into the governor's palace and got the entire brigade together for some fun. They stripped him and dressed him in a red toga. They plaited a crown from branches of a thorn bush and set it on his head. They put a stick in his right hand for a scepter. Then they knelt before him in mocking reverence. Bravo, king of the Jews, they said. Bravo. Then they spit on him and hit him on the head with the stick. When they had had their fun, they took off the toga and put his own clothes back on him. Then they proceeded out to the crucifixion. Along the way, they came on a man from Cyrene named Simon and made him carry Jesus' cross. Arriving at Golgotha, the place they call Skull Hill, they offered him a mild painkiller, a mixture of wine and myrrh. But when he tasted it, he wouldn't drink it. After they had finished nailing him to the cross and were waiting for him to die, They whiled away the time by throwing dice for his clothes. Above his head, they had posted the criminal charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Along with him, they also crucified two criminals, one to his right, the other to his left. The people passing along the road jeered, shaking their heads in mock lament. You bragged that you could tear down the temple and then rebuild it in three days. So show us your stuff, save yourself. If you're really God's son, come down from that cross. The high priests, along with the religion scholars and leaders, were right there, mixing it up with the rest of them, having a great time poking fun at him. He saved others. He can't save himself. King of Israel, is he? Then let him come down from that cross. We'll all become believers then. He was so sure of God Well, let him rescue his son now, if he wants him. He did claim to have got a son, didn't he? Even the two criminals crucified next to him joined in the mockery.
the shadow of death. Matthew 27, verses 45 to 54. From noon to three, the whole earth was dark. Around mid-afternoon, Jesus groaned out of the depths, crying loudly, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some bystanders who heard him said, he's calling for Elijah. One of them ran and got a sponge soaked in sour wine and lifted it on a stick so he could drink. The others joked, don't be in such a hurry. Let's see if Elijah comes and saves him. But Jesus, again, crying out loudly, breathed his last. At that moment, the temple curtain was ripped in two, top to bottom. There was an earthquake and rocks were split in pieces. What's more, tombs were opened up and many bodies of believers asleep in their graves were raised. After Jesus' resurrection, they left the tombs, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. The captain of the guard and those with him, when they saw the earthquake and everything else that was happening, were scared to death. They said, this has to be the Son of God.
Song of the Suffering Servant, Isaiah chapter 53. Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum, but the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and got lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him, on him. He was beaten, he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice miscarried, and he was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he'd never heard a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still... It's what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain. The plan was that he'd give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it, life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones, as he himself carries the burden of their sins. Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly, the best of everything, the highest honours, because he looked death in the face and did not flinch, because he embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his shoulders the sin of the many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. <laughs> 